guess the events that are going on uh, around the world are so crazy. Uh, I have to have to continue to do meditation uh, directed towards that. So we're going to do another blast. Okay, from this very center, we're going to blast the world. Okay, with what it needs. You're going to blast the world with what is effective. Okay. And they're going to wonder what happened. You know what happened. <laughs> to uh, sort of get you uh, get you into the, uh, into the mind mindset. Uh, last Sunday we talked a little bit about a topic. Uh, I'd like to bring it up, <coughs> and not necessarily bring it up again, but uh, bring up what it did to me. My mind kept going about, kept going on it, kept going on it, and it's brought me to a space that I remembered uh, a long time ago. A space I used to visit every once in a while. Uh, and uh, a concern that I have about uh, uh, good, good-hearted people, good, uh, good, uh, is that the term, good-hearted people? Good people with good intentions and something that happens to them because of their good, not because of their good intention, but uh, in line with their good intention, that they they fall off because of a misunderstanding. And that was going on in my mind. And it brought me into, made me think about, uh, uh, I, sh I still love reading sutras because I find them very in inspirational. Uh, even though uh, the commentaries say, don't read the sutras until you first read the commentaries and then read the sutras. Mm -hmm. uh, because you will not understand what's, what the sutras are saying. Sometimes what I find is that the commentaries confuse me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and when the sutras seem to be clearer, mm -hmm. well, that's me. I'm just probably just fantasizing. <laughs> but I remember reading uh, some of those sutras where that describe uh, the vows, personal vows of bodhisattvas. And uh, and uh, remembering that, remembering that space, remembering uh, people who have good intention, people who have good heart, and the phase that they go, this phase that they go through. And I think it's because of, and, and I'm convinced it is a misunderstanding. And I and I think it's a misunderstanding because of what we all understand. Uh, if you're in the Mahayana or aspiring to be a Mahayanist, what is your goal? Your goal is to become a fully enlightened Buddha. And what is that? And that's when there's a lot of confusion. But why do you want to become a fully enlightened Buddha? What made you directed your mind towards that? You saw something. You experienced something. And you saw that as that's the solution to this thing. That's the, uh, that's the means, that's the way to bring a resolution to this thing that you experienced, the thing that you saw. Starting with uh, very, very recent uh, events that, that, that has happened in the world. The when there is a natural disaster, or when there's a disaster that affects uh, a very great number of, of, of beings, the, uh, the the thing that happened in the Gulf, uh, this uh, incredible wave of. Uh, of, I don't know, what, what would you call it, that's happening in the Middle East and North Africa, 
and then the response to it. Now what's happening in Japan uh, I find it very sad that that's when we are reminded of compassion. That it takes such great tragedy for us to feel compassion again. If this is but a show of enlightened beings to make us think of compassion, I think, ah, how sad that they have to do, they have to go to 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 this to make us feel 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 compassion again. And all this ties up to what happened last Sunday at the uh, DNKL. When you become a fully enlightened Buddha, are you aware of suffering? And how are you aware of suffering? Is the awareness of suffering a bad thing? Is it the result of a bad karma? And this question continued in my mind. And I remember, and then I remember relationships I have with uh, my friends, my, my dear friends that uh, had the, the expression, I love to death. and the pain that I feel when they are in pain. And I think this pain is a blessing. That's how, I, that's how I see it. And I feel very grateful to be able to have such a pain. A pain that arises because someone else is in pain. And And to make sure that I'm not completely crazy, I remember passages in sutras where bodhisattvas make vows, like uh, beginning with, if I have even the thought to harm some another sentient being, may it bring me excruciating pain. And then it continues along the same line, but where you're now focusing on the pain of other. Say, whenever I'm feeling, uh, when there's any measure of complacency within me, May even the tiniest discomfort in another being manifest within me as the most excruciating pain. Bodhisattva is making vows like this. So what are they vowing to do? May I continue to do bad deeds so I can have bad things happen to me? And if it, did, if it does happen that they are bo your Bodhisattva, your the thought of harming another sentient being is just you know, another galaxy. It's not, it's not anywhere close to your, to your mind, to the planet of your mind. So when you experience pain because someone else is in pain, that pain is because of your spiritual practice. It's not because some bad, some bad thing, uh, the, some bad karma is ripening to be aware of someone else's pain to the degree that you know exactly what they are feeling is a blessing, is a sign of spiritual maturity. But because there's a lot of confusion going on, you are, good, you are good hearted, you have uh, good intentions. When you feel others pain, you think that something bad is, some bad karma is happening and you want to push that away, you don't want to feel that, you think that you're, now you're further trapped in samsara. If the events that are going on in the world is causing you excruciating pain, 
That's only because you're a highly evolved being. The sight of pain is unbearable to you. It's not bad karma that you that there is. You are aware that there is bad things happening in in those places, and you know that there might be some. I mean, there might be some person who's completely oblivious to what's going on. Would you call that person? Oh, that person is closer to enlightenment. That person is oblivious to the pain that's going on over there. Is that person closer to enlightenment? Who has no idea? What the suffering of what suffering in someone else is like, where they continue their day as usual, they're not disturbed. Their day can no longer be the same anymore. If if that's not happening to them, are they closer to enlightenment? And because now you are completely messed up, you're disturbed. You feel something has to be done, and you find yourself. Incapable of doing anything right now, are you the one who is spiritually immature? If you're not disturbed by what's going on, if it doesn't dis uh, uh, completely turn your world uh, upside down, then what are you doing in Mahayana? Hinayana has a nice little path for you, where you can enter Nirvana, and then you, you have to be. You don't have to be aware of any suffering whatsoever. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So there is a state where you no longer have to be aware of other people's suffering. It's called hinayana nirvana. Is that what you're shooting for? It's a blessing to know others' pain. And if you have such a blessing, don't think of yourself as being less. You worked hard to be able to have that knowledge, and I'm sure your teacher worked harder than you <laughs> to make sure you got that. Okay, and now samsara is tricking you, trying to turn turn things around. Ah, you're doing you're doing something wrong. You're feeling pain. So, if this is just a display that the Buddhas are doing, let's learn our lesson. We don't need a hundred thousand people to die in agony for us to have to know what suffering is, for us to have compassion. When you see an ant just not able to cross from one section to another, let that be enough for compassion. All right, so you can start from a point of uh, making a vow concerning concerning compassion. Okay, make a bodhisattva vow. Um, don't worry, you're gonna keep doing that throughout your career as a bodhisattva. Okay, you're gonna keep making vows, personal vows, not just the 18 and the 26 and the 40, whatever. Okay, your own personal list. Okay. So, here's another one. Here's another occasion to add to it. Right? Just like uh, taking those, taking the hints, okay? And uh, believe it or not, this is antidote for laziness. The first, the first obstacle to getting your mind into being able to work, <laughs> the state of being able to work, real work, not pretend to work. Okay, okay get fired up. And when you feel compassion, know that you are in, in, you are in the very midst of real power. And take that power and then Let's go do damage to some suffering.
So you're going to do a, a, a meditation like when the Buddha was being uh, pursued by somebody who was trying to kill him. The closer the person got to the Buddha, the closer the person got to the, the, the compassionate radiance of the Buddha. And that person was conquered by the Buddha's compassion. Okay. So, you're going to dive into compassion. Look at the conditions of beings. Let it fuel you. And look at your uh, limitations. Say, I, speak, I, I swear to become a Buddha. To be free of these limitations. So get yourself uh, wild up in compassion, wild up in, in love. And look at those places, those conditions, and everyone who's in your way, blast them with love, blast them with compassion. Wish them to be free of pain, wish them to find real, true happiness. Wish them to be free of the causes of pain, uh, mental afflictions, selfish thoughts, thoughts to harm others. And look at somebody like uh, Gaddafi. Don't have hatred for him. Blast him with love. Blast him with compassion. Take your bazooka of compassion and blast him. Let him feel love. Let him feel the pain of others. He's our fellow mother, and he's been hijacked by our enemy. Okay, so bring yourself to the state we just left before the talk. And if you have a sense of your will, let your will bring you there. It's natural. That means there's sincerity within you. Calm yourself. Tell yourself it's a privilege to know the suffering of another. Don't be afraid to feel someone else's pain. see yourself in the midst of compassion, midst of love, feel its power, connect with its power, make it fierce, upgrade it from a rifle to a bazooka, even make it even more fierce than that, upgrade it to a space cannon.
let's do a visualization in a group. So let's see ourselves as a group looking at the earth. We can see the whole earth and we can see the details within it without any obstacles. See those places where we have compassion and love. And together as a group, feeling love and compassion. Let it manifest as light, bathing the earth in light. Light of loving concern. Killing the earth, killing the beings on it, removing the darkness of their suffering, the darkness of the causes of suffering, filling them with qualities such as love, concern for one another. Let's have a last image of the earth, healthy, glowing. The earth is at peace with beings and beings are at peace with the earth. Beings are at peace with it, one another.
remember whatever commitments you took for the sake of others. Analyze your capacity to keep that commitment and renew your commitment according to your capacity. you can make your personal bodhisattva vows. back to your breath. Think of the merits from tonight and dedicate its power situations around the world and dedicated to achieving that state that will bring about a true result. of the breath, slowly become aware of the body again. A few of you have to do this. Deliberately be aware of the body. Start with the top of your head. You could more and more. Until you solidly feel your body from head to toes. It's uh, 
when the Buddha when the Buddha was walking on on the on the planet, uh, for a long time there were these groups of uh, uh, people with different views about how to reach moksha. Uh, they kept challenging the Buddha, and these were great people people who had you know, great uh, who had achieved great psychic abilities because of their great psychic abilities. They believed that they achieve you know some great spiritual they achieve the spiritual goal. So they kept challenging the Buddha in the contest of psychic abilities. And the Buddha kept refusing, kept refusing, kept refusing. And this went on for a very long time. And they got together. Uh, and they started to throw, you know, uh, almost like, uh, <laughs> interestingly, almost like the way rap rappers. <laughs> No, they would give her teachings and then they would say something bad about the Buddha. No. Oh, guess who's enlightened? No, the guy who has no miracle powers. <laughs> Things like that. And uh, because they were talking bad about the Buddha, so they were collecting bad karma. So the Buddha was, had compassion for them because of that. Because the Buddha was an, a proper object not to mess around with. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't matter if you saw that he was a Buddha or not. He was a proper object not to mess around with. Especially not to go around saying he's a coward. He doesn't take my challenge. If, you, if he's enlightened, why is he afraid to challenge me? So this went all the way to the king of, of that area. And they went to the king and uh, they complained to the king. He said, why, why, do you want this, why do you want to invite this guy for and for all this time, we've been asking him to prove to people that he is who he is. And uh, he's a, he, hasn't been, he hasn't done so, because he's a coward, that's why. So the Buddha finally saw, oh, the time is right. A lot of people, if they, if they, if they see me displaying miracle powers, the time is right for them to, be, to get on the path. So I will accept the challenge. So the, so the Buddha accepted the challenge and the king and some, I think three kings were referees for, to see who had the best miracle power display. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, whatever uh, miracle ability power that they displayed, the Buddha displayed something even much greater. And this went on for a whole week. Can you imagine living at that time? <laughs> I would have given no. Sell my, uh, or my possession to be an ant <laughs> to watch that event. <laughs> uh, so eventually, t tomorrow is supposed to be the very last day. And uh, in the Theravadan countries, it's called the Twin Miracle Day. That's when the Buddha uh, did something that, that blew everybody's mind. He had two opposing elements existing in the same space. Well, let's say he transformed his own body into two opposing elements, fire and water. The fire wasn't being extinguished by the water, and the water wasn't being evaporated by the fire. And they were right there. You saw it in your, if you were there, <laughs> you see with your own eyes. And, and that was the miracle that sort of like uh, made the, decided everything. And everyone there, because they saw that, they, they, they got on the path. And, and the interesting thing, as the days were going on, you know, for the first day, second day, uh, when, when someone saw the Buddha made a display, they said, wow, that awakened a seed in their mind, and, and some of them, they became arhats, some of them became aryas, some of them uh, got renunciation, some of them got, uh, became bodhisattvas. So that's when the Buddha said, oh, it's time, it's time is right for those seeds to ripen, and this is a means to help those seeds ripen. And of course, the Buddha... Uh, really didn't want to do this because uh, uh, showed the sign that he didn't want to do this because he already made the rule. Don't go around displaying miracle powers. And there he is. The, <laughs> the one who made the rule is about to break it. Well, he didn't break it. If you understand what I mean. <laughs> so, uh, Buddha won, of course. And all those... Uh, th there was one guy, actually, 
leading up to that, who kept nagging the Buddha, you know, kept going around saying, oh, the Buddha is a coward, da 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 And the Buddha sent them a warning. Tell so-and-so, I am Buddha. Anyone who makes such uh, uh, inflame, uh, you know, words towards me will, will reap very bad karma. So tell that person to stop. And, then, and finally, uh, the Buddha said, Ah, oh, he's just a coward, he's just saying this thing, doesn't mean it. And the Buddha said, Okay, on the day that we decide, on the day that I decide that I will accept, that person will not be able to leave his seat in his house. No, the guy was walking around uh, preaching, and on that day, he wasn't able to leave his house. He was not. He, he couldn't get off his seat. <laughs> That's not funny to you. <laughs> and and that be, and that, and of course that was a demonstration of the Buddha's ability to see omniscience. Okay. On that day, when I decide, that guy will not even be able to leave his seat to to come and challenge me. And this guy was supposed to be somebody who had who was famous for miracle powers. Okay. Okay. Uh, no, nah, okay, no, it's late. <laughs> uh, I feel okay. Now everything is back to normal. <laughs> right, thank you. And there's a superstition going around. On days like that, uh, the comic power is. I don't know what they say now, a million fold, a thousand fold, a hundred thousand fold. So if you do any good deed, the power of it is a hundred thousand fold. And of course, vice versa. <laughs> so keep your mind on good deeds, okay? <laughs> right?